Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to a brand new series of the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. In this series, we're going to talk about one of our favorite things here at Journey Women, knowing and loving the Bible. Are you surprised? This is in preparation for the launch of my upcoming children's book, Read It, See It, Say It, Sing It, soon to be published by B&H Kids. Today, I'm chatting with Carrie Fulmar about our shared passion for reading and studying the Bible. If you don't know her, Carrie Fulmar is passionate about encouraging women to enjoy the scriptures. She's written The Good Portion, Scripture, it's really good, a book about the sweetness of God's Word, in addition to the Delighting in the Word Bible Study series, and How Can Women Thrive in the Local Church? As you'll hear, Carrie is the editor of the Good Portion series and leads women's Bible studies at the United Christian Church of Dubai, where her husband, John, is the senior pastor. Carrie, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. It's wonderful to be here. I am so excited to have you. I would say all the way from the Middle East, but in fact, you are traveling right now visiting the U.S. You're only in Atlanta, Georgia, just an hour apart. But had you been in Dubai, how many hours apart would we be if I'm Central Standard Time? We would be 10 hours apart. Wow. So when did you get to the States? How long have you been here? Two days ago. Okay. So are you like so jet lagged right now? I'm a little bit jet lagged. So if I say anything funny, you can... Yeah, we'll blame it on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it is just such a gift to have you on the show. I was explaining to you that I just made the move from New England to Northwest Arkansas, and we have a mutual friend who has joined us on the podcast in the past. Her name's Erin Wheeler, and she is publishing a book in a series of books that actually you edit. Was it your idea? Is the good portion kind of your brainchild, Carrie? Well, that name is, but actually Christian Focus Publications came to me and asked if I would be willing to write a book in the series. Okay. And they said, which book would you want to write? And I said, well, I would want to write about scripture and delighting in the scriptures. And they said, okay. And then they lost, I think, their first editor. She was unable to do it. And they came to me and said, would you now be willing to edit the series? And I loved writing the book, although it was definitely a labor. It was a labor of love. And I have loved editing these books. 
they cause me to worship as I'm reading them. So it's been so good for my heart and soul to be able to read these different books on the doctrine of God, on the doctrine of salvation, on the doctrine of Christ. And now coming out in just a few weeks is the doctrine of the church. Yes, it'll actually already be out by the time this airs, so everyone should check these out. I actually have had the blessing of now reading two books in the series, and I have to tell you, Carrie, it is so encouraging and so challenging for me to read such rich writing on doctrine. I am so edified and encouraged by the work that you ladies are doing, and it's just been such a gift. I know that that book did not come easily because it felt like every word was labored over in a very positive way. Like, I just knew you'd spent so much time thinking about the things that you were putting to paper. So I am actually partly through your book on the doctrine of scripture. And that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I have a book coming out, I told you this, called Read It, See It, Say It, Sing It. And it is all about scripture as well. So when I heard about you and started reading your book, I just thought, you know, there's nobody better to geek out with about the topic of scripture than another sister in Christ who has spent time writing a book that she hopes will encourage women to spend time meditating on, reflecting, studying, and reading the truths of God's word. So I would love to hear from you on a personal level, Carrie. When did you first start to really just get a hunger for God's word and start to love it and seek to live by it? You know, at first it was a conviction. I was a Christian. I didn't love the Word of God the way Hmm. I thought I should. I thought I need to be in the Word of God daily, but it was a duty for me. It wasn't a delight. This was years ago. It was probably 25 years ago. And I really started praying, Lord, help me really want to be in the Scriptures. Hmm. And I asked other people to pray for me, too. And I think, I don't know how long I was praying that prayer, maybe a year. And I looked back and I thought, wow, I'm really loving and delighting in the Scriptures. And I remember I've been praying that prayer, and the Lord has really answered that prayer. So the first thing that I tell women who say that they want to delight in the Scriptures is I say, ask the Lord, because that's a prayer that He wants to answer. Praise God. I'll tell you a little bit about my story, Carrie, because we don't know each other very well, but I really delighted in the truths of Scripture and sought to live by them during my middle school years. And then this is really sad. This is probably the greatest lament of my life. But when I transitioned into high school, I recognized that, wow, this book, I cannot read and intake the truths of this book and not walk away changed. And yet, the things that I know I need to do in order to be accepted and approved of by my friends will not allow me to continue to walk in the truths that I am intaking from God's Word. And so I actively, I made a decision to actively set my Bible aside. And the years of high school were some of the darkest years of my life. And when I was a senior in high school, my dad was in a tragic accident. 
it just caused me to reckon with the reality of the brevity of life. I immediately knew, man, I've got to turn to the Lord through his word. It's amazing to see the difference in my life when I am actively reading and thinking about the truths of scripture and when I'm not. It's interesting how that journey looks different for each believer. And yet the word is integral for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think that 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 is so common that we think that we're going to find happiness in the world. And where happiness is really found, where true joy is found, is knowing the God of the universe. And the way to truly know Him is through His Word, right? Mm. So when we go to His Word and we commit ourselves to truly knowing Him in an intimate way as we spend time in His Word daily, regularly, consistently— That's where we find true joy and really know how to live out our lives. Amen. Well, that's something that I wanted to ask you because I'm sure there's people listening who have been spending, actively spending time in the Word for a long time. And then there's some who may not yet be cultivating that daily practice, like you said. So what does the Bible tell us and why is it important that we are regularly reading it? Well, I think that often as Christians, we go to the Bible like it's a rule book or maybe an encyclopedia where we can find, oh, how do I make this decision or how do I really get wisdom for this particular circumstance? Um, How do I deal with marriage, parenting, those kinds of things? And the Bible is full of wisdom for all of life. But primarily, the Bible is a story. It tells of God creating a people for Himself and redeeming a people who would know Him personally. And so when we go to the Scriptures, I think that's actually learning that was one thing that really, really stoked my love for the Scriptures is when I learned that, no, I'm going to the Scriptures to read this story with different genres telling the same story. They all fit in together. And the whole Bible, the Old Testament being promises made, the New Testament being promises kept, right? All of them are Uh kept in Jesus. And so when we see that overarching story of the scriptures, it gives us a love for them and it shows the beauty of them. And I think that that's one of the reasons during that year or so of praying for my love for the scriptures to be stoked, I was learning those things. So when we know of this story and then it's all about God bringing us to know him personally, it causes us to really desire to be in the word and in the word regularly. Mm. I couldn't agree with that more. And I'll never forget asking a parent whom I respected greatly what their best parenting tips were. And I really related to what you said about looking to the word for ways in which to improve X, Y, or Z area of our lives. And if you're a parent, you're probably trying to improve your parenting because it's the area where you're probably seeing the most of your lack of awesomeness. And I'll never forget his response. He said, you know, love God and you will parent well. Mm. And that was such a frustrating response to me at the time as a very young parent, because I thought, man, why can't you just point me to a particular verse or a particular practice that you've developed that could help me to improve? Because, man, I feel my need 
for improvement. But that encouragement to love God and your parent well has really driven me to seek to know and love God. And as you mentioned, the primary way that God's given us to do that is through his word. So how do we come to know and love God more through the scriptures? Yeah, I think that we should think of our time in God's word as sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Psalm 16, 11, this is, I think, my favorite verse in all the Bible. You make known to me the path of life. In your mm. presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we're in the presence of Jesus when we open his word, and we should be reading it to hear from him and for our joy. God speaks to us through his word. So we really want to think about what we're reading. We want to meditate on it. Well, that means that we want to figure out what it means, what the author, the original author, intended for his original readers to understand. Mm -hmm. And then we want to apply that meaning to our hearts and our lives. So we should be asking when we read the scriptures, what do I learn about God's character here? Where does this passage point us to Jesus? What does this text say about me as a woman who's united to Christ? And then we know that Jesus reveals the Father, right? The Son is the exact representation of God. So when we come into His presence, we know God, and we can't help but love Him more when we see Him as He truly is. Mm. Yes. I absolutely love Bible study, Carrie. I know you do too. And I know you teach God's Word regularly in your local context and beyond. You know, one of the things for me as a mom of three young kiddos is just the challenge of finding spaces where I can do exactly what you described, to look at the original context, to figure out what it meant for them then, and then to figure out what it means for me now. <laughs> so how can we take a approach to Bible study, regardless of our season, that is going to help us rightly apply the text, even in seasons where it feels really challenging to be able to sit down and to check all of those boxes that you just mentioned in one sitting? Yeah, actually, I think the worksheets that you have on your website are really helpful Oh, thanks for checking those out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they teach women that you need to do the observation of the text. Mm -hmm. You need to do the interpretation of the text and the application. So I think that those are really helpful. And that's how I've written these Bible studies. I've written about six Bible studies, and that's exactly what they are, just questions that help us observe the text, interpret the text. Mm -hmm. and then apply the text to our lives. And, you know, you've mentioned Deuteronomy 6, and that passage is about really immersing ourselves in the Scriptures so that it gets down into our hearts and then comes out, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Mm. And so I think in different seasons of our lives, like if you've got a small baby at home, who's waking you up through the night, you just don't have the capacity to get up before the kids and read your Bible. I still think just having a couple verses that you read, mm 
and planting those in your heart. And then you can kind of meditate on them all day long. You can think about what does that verse really mean? Think about each word. What does it mean? How does that affect my life today? What does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about me? Um, What does it tell me about how I'm raising my children? But if we don't, if we put the Bible aside for difficult seasons in our lives, then we can just become dry and Uh the word's not coming back out of us. And in really difficult seasons, we need God's word even more. We need to know his presence with us. We need to know his love. And I think about a time just a year ago, my son was ill, Hmm. quite ill. And I came to the U.S. to care for him, and it was chaotic. I mean, I was up. I was suffering from jet lag. I was up very early in the morning. He wasn't sleeping through the night, so I was up early in the morning. I was with him until late at night. And... I felt this need for the scriptures, but I didn't have the capacity to really sit down and read my Bible. My mind would not focus. I couldn't focus to pray. So my prayers were very simple, excruciating prayers Uh of help me, Lord. And so what I did was I would get hymns and I would sing them or listen to them hymns that were full of theology. And I would also just listen to sermons. So I was listening to my husband's sermons on Hebrews. I was listening to Tim Keller and other sermons that would just help me, a sermon on the Psalms that would help my heart and get that scripture into my brain in a way that I couldn't do it just reading the scriptures. So I think times of real difficulty We just can't put the scriptures aside. We need to continue seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. It's even more important when we're going through any kind of suffering or, you know, when we're not sleeping at night because little babies are waking us up. We just really need to be still putting these things into our hearts. Yeah. You know, I think about those seasons, Carrie, and I'm curious to know, you know, how you tap into seasons of maybe past study when you're in a season where you're kind of walking through that really dry kind of desert, like you're tapping back into a season of flourishing and maybe relying a little bit on the things that you've learned in the past to help inform what you're walking through in the present. I think that's been something that's been so motivating to me when I do have seasons where kids are all sleeping through the night, et cetera, et cetera, just to invest really heavily in my understanding of God's word and knowing that, you know, there are seasons that are coming in which we're really going to need those truths to be worked deep down into our hearts because we may not have the opportunity to access them the same way that we do when everything seems to be going well. Have you found that to be true in your life? Oh, that is so true. And I think the key is, first, if you can memorize Scripture, that is so good for our souls because it requires us to meditate on the words. And then that Scripture comes back up. It comes to mind when we're in a circumstance where we need it. But even if you're not memorizing it, studying it deeply 
is going to cause the truths to really get stuck in your mind and your heart. And those truths are going to come up and you may not know exactly the verse number, but you're going to know basically a paraphrase of it. And that's going to help your heart. And You know, I really learned this from my grandmother. I had a very godly grandmother. She was a dear woman, and she, at the end of her life, had dementia. She also had hearing problems and reading problems because she had had some strokes. And so I remember reading some some scripture to her one time, and I was yelling into her ear so that she could hear the scripture, (laughs) but she couldn't read it at all because her sight was affected by the stroke. And she knew the scripture so well Hmm. that she would pray it to herself. And she, again, she had this hearing problem, so she prayed really loudly because she couldn't tell how loud she was speaking. (laughs) And we could hear her all over the house praying these prayers of thanksgiving with just scripture infused into the prayers. So here's this woman. She said to us in her family, just pray when she started getting the dementia, just please Mm. pray that I won't forget my Jesus. But she had him so deep within her heart that there was no way she could forget him. And up until the end, she was praying these beautiful prayers full of Scripture and thanking the Lord Jesus for all that He had done for her and given her. Even though if you looked at her, you would think, why is this person being thankful? She's in pain. She doesn't recognize her family. And yet all the thankfulness came out of her heart because she had she had just really imbibed the scripture and it had become a part of her. Uh, that reminds me so much of my grandmother too. Uh, I know many of the listeners have heard me talk about this, but really one of the key moments in my life where I realized, wow, to become a woman— who, when I'm 82 years old, walking through something as hard as, you know, the reality of losing your spouse or something, that was what my grandmother was facing when I watched her recite scripture, I thought, I have to begin today. And I watched her as she recited the very same passage from Habakkuk that she recited when her own son had passed away, maybe 30 years prior, the day that her husband died. And I just thought to myself, wow, I have got to be able to do that because she, same thing, Carrie. I mean, she couldn't even remember to take her pills in the morning, her heart medication in the morning. And my grandfather had really served as her caretaker. It was amazing to see how, though she couldn't remember something as simple as that and as and as crucial as that for her health, she immediately recalled God's word. And now she's really declining. She's been on hospice. And it's amazing. I sat with her when she was super ill from pneumonia just recently in the hospital, she did not even recognize me when I first arrived. But we sat and we sang hymns together, just like you referenced, because these are things that she's been thinking about for her whole life. And so she has been such an encouragement to me and really discipled me and helping me understand, not even in a formal way, Carrie, but in a very informal, organic way, she has shown me this is what it looks like to live a life seeking the Lord. 
Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. You know, we talk a lot about discipleship, I think, in the church today. I love discipleship. I love (laughs) learning from older women like yourself. That's why I have this podcast. Why and how should the Word permeate those discipleship relationships? That is such a good question. I'm studying Habakkuk right now. Can I first comment on your grandmother and Habakkuk? Please. I love this short little prophet. Habakkuk starts out and he's complaining to the Lord. He's questioning God and his justice, recognizing God's sovereignty, recognizing God's goodness, but he's questioning how can you send the Babylonian army to really decimate Judah when you're a good God? And here we're your people, right? And he prays this beautiful prayer at the end that I'm sure your grandmother was reciting. It's, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord." I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And I thought, like, how does the prophet go from crying out to the Lord, how long, Lord, how long are you going to take to rescue us, and get to this place where he's waiting on the Lord with joy. And the answer is in his prayer in verse three or chapter three, basically he sees the awesome power of the Lord coming to save his people. Hmm. And it is, I just encourage all your listeners to read chapter three. Well, read the whole thing. It's only three chapters. But when we see the power of the Lord coming to save his people, which is what we see all through scripture, right? From the very first pages in Genesis, all the way through the end of scripture in Revelation, we see the Lord coming in power to save his people. When we see that, we get a little glimpse of it even. We can wait quietly and with joy for the Lord to come and save us in whatever situation we're in and ultimately bring us home to glory. 
You know, I think about the book Pilgrim's Progress. That's my kids and I have been reading through the little Pilgrim's Progress because they're younger. And I think about how like discipleship is like coming alongside each other and pointing toward heaven, like you just referenced, just saying, just we're almost there and reminding each other of that big story God has nestled us in. (laughs) Like there's something far bigger than just us and our present circumstances going on. Remember where we're going. We have to have the word in order to be able to reference our purpose for life. Like I just find, Carrie, that so often, you know, in discipleship relationships and stuff, we get focused on the day-to-day problems that we're facing. And that's good. I'm so grateful for women who have helped me navigate some of those issues that I felt like at the time were so dire. Like, should I continue dating this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Or should we consider growing our family? These things that are, they're really big deals, you know? But ultimately, like, how can we take those situations in our life that we're navigating, the struggles, the challenges, the joys, and point people to the word and help them to nestle the problems and also the the successes that they're experiencing in the big story of the Bible like you referenced. Yeah, and you said it already. It's pointing them to eternity. It's, you know, pointing women where light and momentary affliction happens here, but it is gaining for us an eternal weight of glory. And all of our decision-making, everything should be, I love the way you said it, nestled in the Word of God. And, you know, God's Word is the seed, but it's also the water and the soil that causes growth. And I love Jonathan Lehman's term, reverberate. He says that the Word, the Word of God needs to reverberate throughout the church and that's what discipling relationships do. They, we listen to a sermon, and then we talk about the sermon all week long with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we talk about what we're reading in the scriptures with other women we're discipling. And we get excited about it. I mean, I think it was Don Carson who said, your students are going to learn part of what you teach them but they're going to learn even more from how you teach it to them or your enthusiasm. They're going to learn what you're enthusiastic about. Yeah. So what we need to really take joy in our times in the Word and then tell others about that. That's what discipling is. Being intentional, bringing the Word to bear, and doing it with excitement about what the Lord is doing through His Word in our own life and excitement about what He can do in the lives of others. Because of my son's illness, we took a year off of ministry. We moved to the U.S. for a whole year, and my husband took a leave of absence. And there were women that I was discipling who I just picked up and had to leave. Mm. And, you know, we were doing women's Bible study. We left all that. And my husband left his preaching and everything to come here. And I was so encouraged when we moved back that Hmm. in particular, the first week I was there, three of the women who I was discipling came to me and told me how much they had grown over the year 
without me there. And so it was so encouraging because I saw if you lead someone to the Word and they're asking questions and you're discipling them with the Word of God, that continues growing. They can feed themselves and grow even if you're not around. So that's what we need to implant in people. You know, I'm thinking about motherhood as you're talking, because I think a lot of times we think about these formal discipleship relationships with other women and that happening in the context of the local church, all amazing things that I love and literally live for. <laughs> like, this is the best. But I think when I became a mother, I just felt like, man, I'm not able to do those things, you know, because I'm spending all this time taking care of my kids and this, that, and the other. And it was such a moment for me, Carrie, when I finally realized, wow, I get to do this actually all day long now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I actually have these little disciples that literally live with me. And I love how you kind of describe this idea of love for God's word being caught. Like, yes, we have opportunities to teach, but so often things, particularly our um, excitement about things, is caught versus taught. Yes. I just keep thinking about, push back on me here if I'm wrong, but kind of in relation to the comment that I made about parenting, where my my mentor from the past told me, love God and you'll parent well. The more I think about my own devotional life, my own study of the scriptures, really being the driving force for every little type of service that God's given me, I think the more I do those things that he set before me with excellence and with joy. And actually, I think I'm so much better <laughs> like at, at doing the things, the tasks that he's given me when I remember, man, I have to be feeding regularly on the word of God. I can't think about turning around and discipling others or sharing excitement in the word if I haven't been in the word or if that's not the the joy that's driving my days. What do you think about that? Like, how do we hold in view the tasks that God's given us and yet also continue even in busy seasons to prioritize being nourished by God's word because we can't really accomplish the tasks that he's given us to do if we're not feeding ourselves and nourishing ourselves in order to be able to do them. Oh, yes. I think that that is so true. When we're loving the Word and we're loving being with Jesus in the Word, then that love overflows into our children in particular because they see us all day long, right? They are going to see what we're excited about. Mm. And so the love, our love for the Word overflows and shows them that love, but the Word also transforms us in a way that we can actually love our children better. I mean, what we're doing when we read the Scriptures is we are beholding Christ, and that's what the Bible says changes us. 2 Corinthians 3, I think it's verse 18, says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from from one degree of glory to another. So that's what transforms us, is beholding the glory of the Lord. And we Uh do that when we're in the scriptures. So we not only love the word and that love overflows and shows us, gives our children an example 
of, oh, well, I should love this thing too. Mommy does, right? Mm -hmm. But it also transforms us and enables us to love our children better when they, you know, make the mistakes that they make and when they sin in the way that they sin. And then we're we're seeing Jesus in the scriptures so we can point them to Jesus when they make these mistakes and when they're disobedient. It's not all about, oh, you disobeyed me, but it's pointing them to Christ where they can find forgiveness for all of their sins. Yeah. So we need to make sure as parents, I think, not to use the Bible as a rule book, you know, like we talked about before, but it does have rules in it. It has laws, it has commands, and we want to follow those and we want our children to follow those, but we want them to do it out of love. And we want them to see that I want to follow the commands of Scripture because it's best for me, because this is how I'm in right relationship with the God of the universe. He knows how the world works, right? So when He tells us the world works this way, and this is how you're to behave in it, then that's what's going to cause flourishing in life if we live the way He tells us to live. It's a different motivation. There's so much that I could say, <laughs> but I wonder I wonder if a lot of people don't feel a love for God's Word because they are treating it just like what you described, like a rule book. Like, man, I'm going to maybe even hearkening back to my own story, like, man, this Bible, this Bible tells me all these things I need to be doing, and I don't want to live like that, or I can't live like that. I feel like I can't hold up that expectation. So mm-hmm. I'm curious about how you might help women shift their perspective if that's what they're feeling, or if there are other things that you feel like might contribute to just a lack of love for God's Word that we might want to just kind of self-examine and just think think about and hold before the Lord and then maybe seek to think rightly about and how thinking rightly about God's Word like you referenced might actually help us to love His Word more and to reach for it more often. I think self-examination is the key. We need to examine what's the reason for our not wanting to be in the Word. Is it because we just see this as a duty and we need to check off the box because we're Christians? Is it depression? Hmm. Maybe we need to get some outside help or talk to a friend about the way we're feeling emotionally. Is it anxiety or lack of sleep? Or is it just dryness? You know, sometimes we go through periods of dryness and we just need to persevere in the Word. Or is it sin in our lives? You know, Hmm. if, if we are sinning without repenting, we're walking in the opposite direction. We can't expect to love God's Word, of course. So we need to examine our hearts. Why are we not going to the Scriptures? And, you know, a great book for that was written by Natalie Brand. I wish I could remember the name of it. She wrote a book about having dry periods or going through depression and getting back to the Word. Reading a book like that, I think, is helpful. Another thing, if this is a period of dryness or maybe depression, 
what I have found helpful for me and other women who I've been discipling is getting maybe a devotional by John Piper or Don Carson has some devotionals. I'm not a huge fan of devotionals because I really want to make sure that I'm reading the Bible in context. Yeah. But I think these devotionals do do a good job of bringing out the context of the text and being really faithful to the text. And so if if you're having a hard time just sitting, reading the Bible, mm-hmm. one thing you can do is go to one of these devotionals to just mm-hmm. stoke the love in your heart. And so that's what I would recommend. I would never recommend staying in a devotional every day unless it's just a small portion of your time in the Word, because God is actually speaking to us through His Word, and we want to hear what He has to say, not the wisdom of someone else and what they think about this scripture. We want to really work at understanding what the author of scripture really intends the readers to get from it. So I wouldn't recommend a devotional every day. But when you're in these periods of dryness, I think that they can be helpful. I completely agree. You know, my dad just passed away this last fall. The listeners know that. I also found it so helpful to be sitting around the word with other women. Mm. Their joy was contagious about the truths that they were learning. And then it also served as an accountability for me in a season where I may have been tempted to be dwelling on other things. And it was amazing, Carrie, how we were studying Philippians and you wouldn't really think, oh, Philippians is going to be such a timely book for someone who's walking through a season of grief. But it was such a testament to me that the word of God doesn't return void and that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the power to divide soul from spirit. Like it is living and active as you referenced, and it will help us as we are navigating whatever season is in front of us. So that was such a help to me in my kind of clunky season where my brain fog was at an all-time high and my emotions were also at an all-time high. And I think the main thing for that is because it's going to lead us directly to Jesus. So can you talk a little bit more about this idea of like sitting at the feet of Jesus when we are engaging with the word and how Christ is really the center of the word, even in passages where it may not be as obvious, like you referenced when you were talking us through Habakkuk? Oh, I think you're so right. Jesus is the absolute center of the word, right? All of the promises of God in the Old Testament are pointing toward him. He's the fulfillment of those promises. And we read that in the New Testament. So wherever we are in the scriptures, we should be looking for Jesus, right? In Luke 24, Jesus says that all of the scriptures were written about him. So we should be looking for him and sitting at his feet, J.I. Packer said that the written word of the Lord brings us to the living Lord of the word. That's Jesus. So that's another very good point that you made. One, studying the Bible with other women is just phenomenal for stoking our joy and excitement about the word. Yeah. And two, you know, looking for Jesus in the word is going to 
add extra joy to the word when we see him there. When we do the work of actually connecting the text to the gospel, that Jesus died and rose again. He died for the atonement for our sins. When we see that, it's going to help us whatever state we're in. If we're avoiding the word because of sin, it's going to convict us and give us that comfort that Jesus died Uh even for those sins. And then when we're going through suffering, we see the suffering that Christ went through for us. And that encourages us as we're united to Him in His death and His resurrection. And on that final day, we'll see Him face to face. So it gives us hope in the midst of suffering that there will be a day when there's no more suffering, no more mourning or pain, that we will see Christ face to face and be with Him for eternity. So I think that That's one of the things as we're studying Scripture that we need to make sure that we always do is ask, what does this have to do with the gospel? If we're in the Old Testament, where do I see Jesus here? How would he have read this and seen himself in it? Because he said all of it was about him. And then when we're in the New Testament, sometimes we come to these passages and their commands for us, right? How do we live? Uh-huh. How should we live as Christians? Well, those commands are always following who we are as Christians. What has Christ done for us? And what does it mean to be united to Him? And that's why we, that's the power to live in these ways. And it's why we should live in these ways. So we always want to ask, where is Jesus in this text? Mm. You know, sometimes, Carrie, as I am studying, I can find myself really discouraged by my lack of knowledge when it comes to making those connections. Could you speak to the women who really desire to see Jesus in the text and who really desire to have a better understanding of what the big story of the Bible is as a whole, but who are also just, you know, genuinely trying and still genuinely, you know, struggling to make those connections. Do you have any encouragement for someone like myself who might, who might find themselves a bit discouraged by their pattern of growth? Well, that's a great question. And let me recommend a few resources. Graham Goldsworthy is always good on these issues of seeing the big picture of Scripture and finding Uh Jesus. Biblical theology, we would call it. He's good at that. Nancy Guthrie has biblical theology workshops that are just phenomenal. And she also has these Bible studies called, the subtitle is Seeing Jesus in, you know, whatever genre, Old Testament it is. Those are fantastic for getting practiced at seeing Jesus where he is in the Old Testament. And another resource I would actually recommend is the Big Picture Storybook Bible. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a Bible for toddlers and... My son was three and a half years old when that came out. He was kind of the only one that I could still read it to. And I just cried when we got to the end because it was so beautiful. 
It's biblical theology. It's seeing these themes traced through Scripture that all point to Christ. And we can learn more about that through some of these resources. But also just asking ourselves, like I said, how would Jesus have seen himself in this story from the Old Testament? Or how would he have seen himself in this psalm? If he was reading it, how would he have applied it to himself? What we always want to do is take a psalm or take a story and get what it would have meant to the readers at that time. But then we want to take it a step further and say, well, how would Jesus have applied this to himself? That might just be helpful for listeners to think that way. That is such a helpful question. I'm going to add that in. I haven't thought about it using that verbiage, and I love it. I also have just been so encouraged, Carrie, thinking about, man, I'm always going to be learning about the glory of Christ, even in eternity, even after I die, I'm still going to be learning. So it's not like I'm trying to achieve this perfect kind of moment in which I have arrived at a full understanding of who God is and how he has saved me through Christ. But the joy is the process of coming to know him more, just like we come to know a friend or come to know our spouse. It's a lifelong process. And in fact, it's an eternal process for those of us who are in Christ. (laughs) Absolutely. And that is, like you said, the joy of it. And that's the beauty of the scriptures. They're so deep. You know, every verse, every word, there's so much depth there that we can read it over and over again and get more out of it. So, you know, he's the God of the universe. Our minds cannot wrap themselves around all of the truth that that is, that he embodies the truth about his character, all he's done in salvation history. But we have the joy of getting to study it for our whole lives. And you're right, into eternity, we'll be seeing more and more depth of the truth of who God is. Can't wait. And yet, like you said, God's given us so many helpful resources on this side to help us better understand who he is and how to uncover the truths of his word. I just want to recommend your book. It's on scripture. It's part of the Good Portion series. And you really start with a really helpful overview of the big story of the Bible. And I just thought this is so rich, so good, so wonderful for me to be reading and just reflecting on. So I just want women to give that a look if you're looking for a resource. Do you have any other resources that you would recommend for growing in the area of Bible study? Yes, I do. Christy Anyabuile has a new book that is just coming out, and I have to say I haven't read it yet because I just got it in the mail. I just opened the box today. Literarily, right? Is that what it's called? Yes. I just know Christy, and I know her teaching. I love her teaching, and so I think that's going to be a fantastic book to read. And studies that are good to do, I love Kathleen Nielsen's studies, particularly her Old Testament studies. Yeah, yeah. She always points to Jesus in them, and they're just good, really meaty studies. And then I've already mentioned your worksheets that you have online. I think those are super helpful. And just keeping those things in mind, you know, observation, interpretation, application, 
And then also, I would say Bible reading plans are uh, really good. I don't read through the Bible every year, but some years I do. It kind of depends on how deep into a women's Bible study I am. But there are some great Bible reading plans, and those really open your eyes to how the whole of Scripture fits together. So, like, I've done Murray McShane's Bible reading plan. And, you know, you really—you'll be reading something from the Old Testament and something from the New Testament on the same day, and you're just in awe of why do these passages go together? They're different genres of Scripture. They're different— authors with very different personalities in their their writing. How do these fit together so well today? And it's just because there's one overarching author of the entire Mm. scriptures, and it's the Holy Spirit. So you really see the beauty. I've also done the discipleship reading plan, and that's a five-day reading plan, so you have two days to catch up. So those are just some resources Carrie, it's been such a joy to talk to you about God's Word. I can hear your love for it in the way you speak about it. And talking about God's Word with someone who has studied it and who knows it more than me is truly one of my simple joys. But another question that we ask every guest who comes on the Journey Woman podcast is, what are three of your simple joys? And I thought because this series is focused on reading, singing, saying, and singing the Word of God, it might be fun to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys when it comes to knowing and loving God's Word? You told me about this question, and I thought that is a great question to answer, and it was a joy thinking about it. And I think we've already talked about one, is seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. I just love that. You know, when you read about the temple, and you see the temple traced all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament, where Jesus says, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And he's talking about his own body and his death and his resurrection. And then even further, we find that the temple is, Paul's letters calls the church the temple and a building being built up to the Lord by the Holy Spirit. I love seeing kind of those themes traced all the way through Scripture. And then my second one would be really hearing God speak directly to me from the meaning of a text. So often, just a light bulb will go off, and I'll see that the Lord is comforting me by this verse, He's telling me who he is. And, you know, like the Habakkuk is an example of, I just saw in there the power with which God is coming to save his people. And, you know, we're still going through this difficult time, and my son will have this illness for the rest of his life. And I see hard times ahead, but— The Lord is a great God who saves His people. So reading Habakkuk, I was just so encouraged that, yes, I can quietly wait on the Lord, trusting Him with great joy because of who He is. He is a good and sovereign God. 
even in these difficult things that He sends into our lives. So seeing the Lord, hearing the God speak to me directly through the Scriptures is a joy, through the meaning of the text. And then studying with other women, that has been a great joy for me. At our church, the United Christian Church of Dubai, when we first got there, the women were gathering to do Bible study, but it was very disjointed, and the studies were not really the Word of God. Let's just put it that that way. There was some prosperity gospel. It was a mixture of different things that they were doing. So a couple of us started trying to get the women to do inductive Bible study, Mm -hmm. like what we've been talking about. And the women started really loving it. So that's how I started writing Bible studies. I love that. They're at Cruciform Press, and we call them Delighting in the Word Bible Studies. That's so perfect. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's what we should be doing. And so I'll write these Bible studies for our church, and then I send them to the publisher after our church has done them. And that has been such a great joy to see women get excited about studying the Word And I remember these two older women, they were in their 60s, which is kind of unusual actually in Dubai because usually people have retired and moved back to their home country by then. Hmm. But there were these older women and they complained a little bit when we first started inductive Bible study. They thought this is going to be too hard. We want something that's a little more given to us, right? So they went along with it. They were sweet women. They went along with it. And a couple months into it, they came to me and said, we're studying the Bible for hours every day because we're looking up every reference in our study Bibles and we're, you know, all the cross references. And we love this. I mean, I could tell story after story about that. What a joy. Yeah. So that is one of my simple joys also, just watching other women get excited about their Bibles. I think we could have a whole episode on that. And surely it's been a joy to get to learn more about how we can open our Bibles and better understand the truths within and really better know and love God. Um, So thank you so much. I would love, Carrie, to hear from you who it is that's had an impact on the way that you know and love God? Uh, Yeah, I think that definitely would have to be my husband. Aw. He has taught me the love of Christ and shown me the love of Christ. He's my pastor and has been my pastor for the last 16 years. And I've learned more theology and more Bible from him than anybody else. And he's also, you know, just loved me in a Christ-like way. So I would have to say that it's my husband, John Palmer. That is so great. I'm not going to lie. I'm tempted to go and look up his sermons. Oh, we you get should. Off here. He is. <laughs> I think he's right above John Piper for me. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Carrie, I just cannot thank you enough. You know, when I'm thinking about these episodes, I'm really thinking like, who is it that I know in my life who really does what I'm hoping the listeners will be encouraged to do walking away from this episode? And certainly you and I don't know each other well, but I certainly thought of you, but then it's just been such a joy to see how even 
Um, the Lord used this conversation to just help me to share about my grandmother, who would really be that person for me, but she's mm-hmm. not able, given her current mental state, to do anything of this nature. So I just love how God used our conversation, even unplanned, to remind me of my grand Dan. And surely, I hope this episode does the same for many listeners as they are thinking about someone in their life who has helped them to know and love God's word. And thank you for doing that for us today. It's been a joy to have you on the show. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. So this episode has been recorded for weeks, but my granddad, who I referenced throughout the episode, passed away just a few days before I sent it to our sound designer. It was such a joy to listen back to this conversation with Carrie about Grand Anne's favorite thing in all the world, God's Word. I hope that listening to this conversation encourages you to reach for your Bible however you can, whenever you can today. If you want to check out my upcoming children's book, Read It, See It, Say It, Sing It, that's designed to encourage kids and families to know and love the Bible, you can find it in the show notes of this episode or on my website, hunterbelis.com. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. We are so grateful for them and for you. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.